Southeast Asia is a mobile region, right? In 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 all forms of entertainment, right? Like if you don't have a mobile strategy, basically you're not gonna make it. Hey, I'm Fred, and I'm it, and this is Create a Generation. Create a generation of hype. All right, Frederico, what is happening this week? This week we're chatting with Jerry Sewer from Collab Asia. He's a VP there, and we are going to be shining a spotlight on creator in Southeast Asia, and there is a lot happening in the region. Hey, uh, before we get started, if you like this podcast that we've put together for you, please let us know on Apple Podcasts by leaving a review. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Oh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to another episode of Creative Generation. This week we are joined by Jerry Sur from Colab Asia. Jerry, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, Jerry, I always cook up introductions. I'm going to throw it straight to you and maybe you can introduce yourself for us. Sure. Uh, my name is Jerry Sur. I'm from uh, Colab Asia. I head Southeast Asia uh, in Colab Asia, uh, but also I lead a lot of partnerships uh, for the company um, globally. So uh, I, I've been with the company for close to four years now. Uh, before that, uh, I was running my own uh, artist management company in Los Angeles and in Sydney. And I was uh, in the music industry for about uh, just a bit over a decade. Uh, I worked in, uh, in all over the place, uh, in Sydney, in Melbourne as well, uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and that was really uh, what got me into the, the music and entertainment industry, you know, uh, and that 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 role eventually developed from touring musicians into managing uh, influencers and YouTubers, you know, right at the start of the boom, uh, I guess what people call the start of the MCN industry in 2011 in Los Angeles. So very fortunate to actually uh, get to witness a lot of that. Didn't, didn't really work in that space uh, that much at the time, but uh, it, it gave me a lot of the background because it was ground zero uh, for what we do right now. So tell us about collaboration, what you guys do. Yes, so Club Asia is a talent network and content agency. Um, the company is actually spun off from the American company Collab. Uh, and we call it Collab US, but it's Collab based in Los Angeles. Uh, and Collab was one of the uh, is one of the original uh, MCNs. Uh, started in 2012, I think. So it's been a while. And uh, one of the founders was actually, uh, it came from like at the early eyes from full screen and all that. So it's like the whole OG uh, industry people. Um, and Collab has always worked with a lot of uh, Asian content. Uh, one of the founders of Collab, Song Kang, uh, he's a Korean American. And so they've always had a focus uh, of Korean and Japanese content, uh, but was doing it from Los Angeles. Uh, and of course, at some point, it made sense to, you know, actually focus on that, you know, um, the industry over there was somewhat delayed from Los Angeles, because Los Angeles, you know, LA was always like, uh, you know, up front with the media industry, right? Um, so they took the opportunity and two of the employees of Collab uh, became the founders of Collab Asia. Uh, and those are uh, Eugene Choi and Alan Lee. And I met them, I met those two guys just before they started to spin off and moved from Los Angeles to, uh, to Asia. So they moved, uh, Eugene moved to Korea and Alan moved to Japan. And that's when we decided to, and I, I, I got hired in Los Angeles and um, I was, and I moved to Jakarta to start the uh, Southwest Asian office. And uh, it was, it was the same mission that we had in the US, uh, but uh, we had the, what we call the time machine model. Of course, everything's kind of like somewhat behind. 
So um, we were very fortunate. We had like insights. Uh, what happened in the U.S. eventually happened uh, in, in Asian countries, but of, of course, it didn't wasn't quite easy as that easy in the end, you know. But uh, um, you know, we I think we got in at the right time, you know, especially in Southeast Asia because we've experienced a lot of growth uh, working with a lot of the what I would call the second generation uh, YouTubers uh, in the region at the time. Tell us about the. I mean, obviously, MCNs have become a very problematic area for a lot of YouTubers. Um, I mean, I guess the original intention was quite good, but obviously as, as things developed very quickly, um, a lot of them sort of fell in, into uh, problematic <laughs> situations. But yeah. you guys yeah. have seemed to evolve past that original structure, right? Yeah, so there is uh, – I mean, we can go into a very long conversation of like, just what <laughs> happened in the US, <laughs> but uh, there's, a, there's a much better podcast for that, I think, with James Creatures podcast. <laughs> so uh, he's going to like log the history of that. Um, and, but um, a lot of the problems that happened in the US, I think uh, we, we learn from that. Uh, but, uh, we, you know, Collab in the US never really got into that much trouble. Right, uh, the relationship with YouTube and the creators were very good, um, and so we didn't have quite you know the baggage you know that a lot of uh, comp- our competitors in the US have. Uh, but also, I think by the time the business got to uh, Southeast Asia and Asia, uh, I think uh, YouTube itself also learned the mistakes that they made right in the US. So very hard. The, the way uh, products and policies are rolled out, you know, it, it doesn't happen globally. You know, it happens usually in the U.S. first, right? In Australia and Japan, mm. right? And then the and then, and then they try it out, and then they, they figure out what the problem is, even if it works, you know, if it makes bigger problems, and then it gets like cascaded down uh, into the different countries, right? So and then that still holds true today. I think that's that's how Google rolls out a lot of their products as well, not just YouTube, you know, a, a lot of, you know, whatever products they have, right? Um, and, and so we do have the benefit of delayed timeline, you know, that if, if something goes wrong, like we have time to actually fix it, mm. you know. But it's, it's not only on the policy side, uh, but also locally the needs uh, for services uh, like ours is very different, right? So... You know, and and and, that, and and it goes into like the whole structure of the, uh, the economies and different countries. You know, we're talking about internet rollout, accessibility, speed, right? Uh, price, you know, kind of develops different different region, and that really is the bigger determinant to what shape our business. Um, you know, uh, long term. You know, uh, it, it's it's those two. Like it, it's it's the policy and the economic reality that. You know, we have to figure out in the middle. Real top level, though, what are some of those issues that the like that MCN model face? Because if people don't know, like real top level, without throwing anyone under the bus, like what what do you mean? Sure, a lot of the issues was like, uh, you know, when when the industry started, like basically, if you want to monetize, you had to go through an MCN, right? This, this is like thinking back like 2010, right? Like this is not a way, uh, and that was YouTube's way to scale monetization, right? Um, it's true agencies, right? And if you want to compare it to, um, I would say the previous product that's comparable is the search marketing agencies. Mm-hmm. So right before YouTube, you know, if you want to advertise on Google, right, on search, you got to go to an agency, right? But eventually, you can just sign up and do it yourself, right? In minutes, even, right? You know, you, you can just put a search ad, right? 
it became it became very very dynamic. But in the beginning, to, to grow that, they had agencies. So in my view, like MCNs were the equivalent of those agencies, right? For YouTube, they had to have. Is the way Google work is that uh, you know they work with uh, an ecosystem of companies, right, around them, right, uh, which is quite different from I would say Facebook, right. Um, so, but you know with with scalability with engaging external partners you know there, there's a lot of issues and of course the the business itself changed a lot so that you know the, the rules changed uh the needs changed of the creators you know and eventually a lot of those mcns failed to adapt uh and provide value to creators right so what they provided say in 2011 uh, the value they provided in 2011 uh, may not be so relevant and you know obviously 2015 right because everything's changed so much, right? And changed so fast. And of course, from 2015 to 2019, you know, four years later, of course, it changed again, right? Uh, so we had to do a lot of that adapting. Now, as I mentioned, like, obviously with, uh, you know, we, we've started out, Club Asia is like officially 2017. So by that time, we're like, like oh, we've seen all the changes. Like, oh, this eventually will happen, right, in, in Asia, right? Uh, but I would say when we started out, uh, Asia was about two or three years behind the U.S. That gap's actually closer to like one year now. You know, we had the, again, you know, a lot of uh, you know a lot of things that used to work didn't work, right? A lot of value didn't work. You know, of course, like contracts that we had with creators, you know, had to be changed, uh, had to be more flexible. Uh, but this with that also comes new opportunities, right? There are things that we're doing now that just wasn't possible or even relevant if we were to do it like five years ago, you know? So, um, and of course it's not just YouTube now, right? Um, YouTube started the MCN model, uh, but now uh, not only the Western platforms had the MCN models, right? Outside YouTube, but also the Eastern, like the Chinese platforms now also have MCNs, right? So for example, in China, there's like 5,000 MCNs, right? So, and the media MCN is very different in China, right? But it was all based on the YouTube FCN model. So, which is, which is very interesting. Like they decided, you know, to, to take the model and just kind of put steroids and just go, you know, like go wild, right? Now I'm not an expert in China. So I, I know a little bit, uh, but like, I, I don't, I don't do that much work in, in, in the Chinese markets, you know? Um, but it is a very, very interesting market. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a couple of people talk about the Chinese market. It does seem like a very, mm. like a, like a, a beast unto itself in terms of how big and, and dynamic it is. Um, and I think it just blows yeah. people's minds. When you just look at the, the, the numbers uh, in China, uh, it's just, are just uh, insane in, in some instances. So it's a fascinating area. Yeah. But I think Asia in, in general, I mean, like, you know, the area that, uh, that you guys operate in, Collab Asia operate in, is so dynamic and it's growing so fast. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. the rest of the world just don't realize <laughs> how big the rest of Asia is and, and the, the, um, the desire for new content, the desire for new creators, um, and how creators yeah. are held there. So, can you tell us a bit more about the the market that you work in, the Asian markets that you work in? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have to. Uh, I, I guess I guess I guess start with like you know, Asia is, is a very very big market. So there's like three billion people, right? So it, it's forty percent of the global population, and so each market is complex on its own. And I would split it to like the major consumer regions. So China, obviously, is up there. India's next, right? Japan and Korea, more advanced, but smaller. Japan's 100 million, Korea's 50 million you know, population, right? And then there's, there's Southeast Asia, right? And the Southeast Asia is divided into multiple countries and languages. 
but these are the main when we talk about social media or you know avod as or whatever right entertainment like it's kind of like you can roughly piece it out to these you know pieces and i focus on southeast asia um we have offices in korea japan uh hong kong china um and what is interesting is that most of these actually android regions mm. right so that's why youtube is very very popular because you know it comes with the phone like you don't even have to download it <laughs> right it's right there right so you know like you look at the download charts you know like oh you know whatsapp or tiktok whatever but like well youtube's already in every phone so <laughs> they kind of like win by default uh so you know um going from the top like you know like china has like 800 million internet users like is the single largest market right uh the, what we call a homogenous market right so you can create a product in Mandarin, right? And it's, it, it will go everywhere. Of course, there's like dialects, right? But people kind of understand, okay, yeah, that, that is enough, right? Now. Um, you know, there's like the Weibo, Bilibili, Totia, Yoku, of course, Douyin, which is TikTok, you know, and then just like more and more. And that's just the video ones, right? And then you have the gaming companies like Tencent, NetEase, Yuzu, you know, you know, Mihoyo with a Jet Genshin Impact, you know, which is a fascinating game. I could talk about it more later. Um, you know, it, it's its own thing, and it, I, I can I can talk a bit about how they monetize maybe a bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, China basically, you know, because of the Great Firewall, like they developed their own internet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's India, right, uh, which was uh, a battleground between East and West platforms, right? But Think about now. It's about more than six months ago. India had a border skirmish with uh, China and decided to ban all China apps, right, or platforms and games. So within six months, uh, those offices, you know, very big offices, like in the hundreds, sometimes thousands of people, got closed down in China, uh, in India. Sorry, and you know, they ended up coming to Southeast Asia, right? Because that's the next biggest region for a lot of Chinese companies, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and in Japan, Korea, as I said, like more advanced, but somewhat limited because of the population size. Um, so they do export tech and content, right? And Korea exports it very, very well, of course, with K-pop. Uh, but uh, they're very aware of like, it is an export-driven uh uh, economies, right? Like they, they, you know, for, for, for goods or services or entertainment, like they think, like, okay, how can this work? You know, because the, the, the country's just simply not big enough, right? Like, like, like China big or India big or even Southeast Asia big, right? So they, they have to, they're very export thinking. And so that leaves like Southeast Asia, right? And to me, that's the most interesting region because it is truly a market where you get the best of the, Western platforms and you get best of the Chinese platform kind of like duking it out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they copy each other. They, you know, they, they one up each other. You know, it's uh, a lot of it is still kind of like a blue ocean strategy. They still try to like uh, gain like daily active users, you know, 4G is rolling out still, like never mind 5G. Like it's still 4G if people are still waiting for that in certain regions, you know, so they can stream, right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, it's there's still a lot of work to be done. People don't realize like, oh yeah, there's a lot of numbers, but like it's, it's just a long way to go. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, and the dominant platforms there, and this is usual YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Spotify, right? But we also have Bigo, Mingmo, No No Life, and Snack Video, all Chinese platforms. Right? or Chinese-funded platforms. Uh, of course, the gaming, most of the gaming is mostly uh, from China, 
right? Uh, I think ten, mostly Tencent, really, uh, because they, they they really focus on mobile gaming, and Southeast Asia is a mobile region, right? In 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 all forms of entertainment, right? Like if you don't have a mobile strategy, basically you just won't. You're not going to make it, right? So, uh, and then what is interesting now, um, the e-commerce uh, regional players like Lazada and Shopee, they're going heavily into entertainment. So that they, they are becoming challenges in like, um, say, live streaming. And, and the promise of live streaming is people kind of say, yes, you can make money from subscription and tipping, but also you make money from selling stuff, right? And it is like uh, you get affiliate marketing or like you, you direct buy from the guy who's wearing the thing or he provides a link, right? And he gets credited for it, right? Well, Lazada and Shopee is, is going heavily into that space. And I think to, to me, they're the favorite winners, you know, because they have people's attention but these are the people who are ready to buy, right? You wouldn't be in this app if you're not ready to shop and spend, right? But you might be on Twitch if you just bought and want to watch it, your, your favorite streamer, right? Mm-hmm. Or YouTube, you're watching something else and then you actually want something, you know? But people only go to Lazada Shopping when they're ready, like the wallet's there. And the big component that they figure out is the payments and logistics as well. So if if someone buys something, you know, it's a one click, they're going to get it. A few days later, you're going to get the stuff, right? Whereas if you buy something from YouTube, or Twitch or whatever, right? You know, I'm not sure the experience is quite there yet. Maybe the payment side, but the logistics side, you know, who's going to fulfill it? You know, it's, it's very, it, it's a, it's still a developing region that, you know, Amazon has yet to figure out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they figured it out in certain markets like in Singapore and Korea, right? But not Indonesia or, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to ship goods, you know, because people really have to like cargo or fly it, right? So there's no overland delivery. So, it's 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 a very interesting because like uh, everybody is uh, all eyes are on Southeast Asia. I feel, and I gotta say, when I started out this job in 2017, and I would talk to people, oh yeah, I had Southeast Asia region, and not Australia, obviously, because Australians know where Southeast Asia is. But if I say it to Americans or, or Europeans, kind of like, oh yeah, I had Southeast Asia. It's growing. I give them the numbers, blah blah blah, everything, and people just kind of struggle, like to name a country <laughs> they know Bali is in Southeast Asia, right? Yeah. But they kinda like they don't really know anything else. But around there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there, you know, like you know, again, Australia is obviously no. <laughs> but uh now if you know the conversation I have, then people are like, oh yeah, yeah, Indonesia, because they see the numbers and they see the growth. So that has changed a lot in three years. Uh, for me anyway, being a Southeast Asian is like yeah, that, that's been a massive change, and which is just something like I'm, I'm very happy about, you know, because you know people should pay attention to this region, you know, um, because it, it's, it's worth looking at because it is it is an open market. And can, I mean, off the top of your head, do you know any of the like big numbers in Southeast Asia in terms of like you know <clears throat> uh, users and watch time and that kind of thing in, in the region? I don't know um, total watch time or anything. Um, I would say that uh, you know even Indonesia alone is has has more millennials than let's say the us right because the the ratio of younger population mm. uh is higher so in indonesia 60 percent of the population is actually under 30 right so if you think about it that way right it's mostly young people right it's mostly so they watch mostly youth content mm. right or young adult right or kids right so you know indonesia doesn't have a bigger population than the us but it has a younger a bigger share of young uh, people, right? And I think you can extrapolate that to China, India, Vietnam, Thailand, like the big Philippines, right? The big, big consumer markets, you know. And 
that's obviously has an impact on the content, uh, but also the watch time, right? And again, of course, COVID just kind of pushed it up, right, even more. But it was already going up anyway, right? Mm. It was already higher than than you know. Well, but but it's also interesting. It's that these young people, right? Because it's also like all the people, you know, everybody's stuck at home. They watch more screens, right? Screen time is just generally up everywhere. And as they're more relevant content being available per country on per platform, then they, they would watch it more, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so, but uh, I, I don't have quite overall watch time numbers. You know, I could, yeah. I can dig it up somewhere. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I do, I mean, I, I, I eagerly follow your updates on LinkedIn. I find the information that you bring out of the region is, is super interesting to see the growth there in so many different areas, but also seeing the different trends, you know, like, um, there's so many specific trends to the region that, you know, some people aren't just aware of. Like, can you just talk to us about some of the trends in, in the region at the moment in video? Yeah. Uh, so I would have to say like a lot of it is quite similar, right? Like the top categories are the same top categories. So you're talking about gaming, music, entertainment, you know, comedy, kids news, right? Maybe not so much sports. That's probably the one category that I would say weirdly underdeveloped. Right, mm. uh, people do watch sports, but mostly soccer from Europe, right? Um, but not so much local sports. I think they a lot of these associations need to kind of like level up their media game. Uh, but it's uh, but a lot of the main categories uh, the same globally, uh, but it's always local content, right? So people do like watch the same videos the same genres of music, um, similar games, right? But they want to watch locals do it, right? And specifically in their language. And even better if you can do it specifically in the, in the dialect, right? So you can kind of like zoom in into certain areas in Asia just by the dialect itself, you know? So um, it's all about local content. Um, of course, with COVID, this there's a change in behavior as people get locked down, people are highly anxious, you know, it's the same, it's burnout, right? Uh, people are concerned about their health, obviously, you know? Um, so there are like increases in like, you know, charity in, 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 in being, being proud for, you know, uh, goods they are made in the country, right? Not, not, not any particular country, just their own country, right? Each country. Uh, interestingly, there's an increase in podcasts, Right, uh, because uh, of course people watch too, too much screens, right? But, but they still want to come. Like the, the eyes is just tired, right? Because because they have to stand on screen all day, you know. So you know, and there's an increase for like you know uh, business registrations, right? A lot of people have lost jobs. This happened the same thing in like the 2010, 2011, right? The financial crisis when you know people lose jobs, you become entrepreneurs, right? You just have to figure out until you get the next job, or you just become freelancers full time, right? So. There are, it, it, there is, you know, we, we benefit from, you know, uh, screen time increase due to COVID, you know, but let's not forget, you know, like th there is a real economic impact to a lot of people's lives, right? Uh, and and it is much much worse um, for in in some Asian countries, right? Uh, especially like the lower earning uh, areas, right? And people when people got hit, they get really hard, right? Uh, and and. And, and it, it, it compromises some of the government's response to COVID. Like it's like people are literally like, "Well, you can go to, you can get hungry, or we can open it up and you get sick, right?" Mm -hmm. And so a lot of governments go, kind of like, "Well, what do we do?" Right? <laughs> They're both bad, right? 
So it's it's very unfortunate. A lot of like Indonesia and Philippines, you know, is is un, and, and India, I think, is, is is under this kind of pressure. You know, so it's not all rosy, but you know, th- there is a lot of positivity in, in what we do. You know, because obviously everybody rushes in towards uh, digital content, right? Uh, so um, and as a result, like if you ask me, like what kind of trends, you know, um, they're not overall that different, right? There's you know, short form has been very very popular. Uh, we're talking like the TikTok type of videos, you know, of course they all end up on YouTube, right? Eventually, um, you know, but live streaming uh, has increased a little bit, but as I mentioned, a lot of that play has gone to the e-commerce companies, you know, and I'm not too sure. I can't really compare it uh, maybe to Australia or the U S like if, you know, I know Amazon is doing a lot in this space, uh, but um, maybe not as much as how the, uh, I guess prioritizing it in 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 Southeast Asia, you know, or even in China, right? Um, it's uh, an audio content, right? Uh, but uh, you know, it's 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 a point where every company now they have a media strategy, right? Mm. Uh, everybody everybody needs a producer. Everybody needs like a content strategy. It's not like something. Yes, they outsource the most parts to content agencies like us, and we work with a lot of them. A lot of B two B business. Uh, but I think it's become, you know, I, I, I would fit this under content marketing and, 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 and this like content marketing is, 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 is come back to like, okay, like now like everybody needs this, right? Cause, uh, there's definitely an increase in content marketing and performance marketing, right? Because you know, like out of door, out of home advertising, you know, you know, events, like it's just disappeared overnight. Right. So, you know, the, the, the money has to go somewhere. Right. You know, and so the, the, a lot of people are in, in, in investing in content, you know, so as a result, like you just see everything uh, kind of being produced doesn't always work. Obviously, uh, it's hard creating content. Right. It's very competitive. Uh, I think we all know that. Um, but uh, it's become necessity. So, yeah, trend wise, not nothing that's too different. You know, a, a lot of the response, the COVID response is, you know, exercising at home, virtual concerts, cooking. I think that would be quite similar to mm. anywhere around the world. You know, and I think this kind of brings everybody kind of together, you know, because everybody kind of watch the same type of content, but obviously just, just different videos in different languages. Mm. You mentioned that obviously there are some similarities, um, you know, across the world with the way people watch mm. um, videos, but... Uh... Are there any particular types of videos that you've noticed are doing particularly well in the region? Like specifically, is there like, you know, uh, like dance videos doing really well, uh, you know, cooking videos doing particularly well? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, the short form type, um, they, they, you know, like the TikTok videos, they do very, very well, right? Uh, but I don't know if that's uniquely to Southeast Asia or Asia, right? I think that's just kind of everywhere around the world kind of thing. <laughs> People are really bored. Right at home, <laughs> um, I don't see that like a particularly. Uh, oh yeah, this is this is fascinating and so, like you know, um, it it does very well. They do very well, but uh, not quite a point of difference. You know, I think if there's if I have to pick a difference, I think like the governments uh, of Asia are very very active online, right? Um, you know, in, in Singapore, the biggest influence on marketing spender is the government. Right. Mm-hmm. They actually spend a lot of money to engage with uh, younger voters, right? Uh, and, and it's kind of like reverberated uh, across the region, you know, maybe to a different extent. But, you know, for example, like the president of Indonesia is a YouTuber, right? Like he actually makes announcements, you know, and, awesome. and YouTube have a uh, 
presidential team, right, to deal with him, right, to actually make sure he's prioritized, right? Obviously, he's get his algorithm figured out. You know? so, <laughs> and, you know, that is a very effective way to communicate for such a young population. Like, you're, again, again, putting out like 60% is under 30. Like, would they watch TV or news or newspapers? Or just going to watch on YouTube and like, boom, straight in their feet, right? Mm. So I think, uh, you know, like, the you know. Australian the government needs to go have a chat to the Indonesian government. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it still holds true, but there was a few years ago, and I, I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but anyway, we'll tell it again. But for, uh, Fred and I were, um, were at YouTube HQ in, in Australia at Google office there running like some workshops with them. And we were... I can't remember like why there was a um a social like an influencer campaign for for health for like uh, for okay. young girls for like a health campaign and mm-hmm. someone in the in mainstream media pointed out that like one of the influencers was like had posted them drinking wine or something and having fun and then there was just general genuinely boomer outrage that people make a living creating content online as influencers <laughs> and how dare the federal government pay for these people to travel the world and be in exotic places. Right. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Um, and so they pulled that campaign and pulled all influencer marketing and I don't really? know if, I don't know if they, it's been they, brought back up. Old? Um, yeah, right. I have to find out if it, but it was just, and we were sitting there, and this news sort of came through, and we're just sitting there like there was a couple of um, pretty senior people from Singapore YouTube, like in the room with us, and like the news came through at lunch, and we're kind of like embarrassed for our country because it's like <laughs> this is completely irrational. Like we want to talk to young people and get a message mm. to them. This is where they are. Like yeah, it was it's completely. So I'm just like yeah, you hear that like. Yeah, you got to go for the audience. Like we really want to engage people on their level and where they are. Like, yeah, like you said, sixty percent of people in Indonesia are, are millennial. Then, yeah, let's talk I mean, to I them. I don't know if, if I don't know what the ratio is in Australia, right? Uh, if, if, if if it's a is a, a sign of uh, you know maybe older population mix, you know. Uh, but yeah, we see it a lot. I see it a lot. You know, like you know. Philippines government is like all over Facebook, it's Facebook country. You know, is it a Facebook country or a YouTube country, right? And uh, and they just pick, you know, whatever's going to reach more, right? And, and well, more. Australia was a Facebook country until recent okay, events. I guess not so much anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> what about that? <laughs> Zuckerberg and, and, you know, the Australian government kind of went to war over the news and they're still not, not, not the best of friends. <laughs> it's so crazy when I read that. It was like, oh, this is actually happening. <laughs> this is very... It's fascinating. I think that's interesting, though, that like, and we've sort of alluded to it, and you've talked about it a lot, that, that Asia in general and Southeast Asia and China, obviously, that it's like the bellwether for content and innovation. Like, it's like people look from the West and the US, et cetera, they look to the East. Um, what, like, why, like, both from like creators and the content they create, but also the platforms and mm. the usage of, like, why do you think that that's such a hotbed of like innovation? Yeah, I, yeah this like, from, from an innovation point of view, like I think a lot of the, I guess in terms of media tech, right, has uh, a lot of the technology has been developed in China because they have the firewall, right? Because they have a homogenous market, you know, because they have a lot of funding, um, 
you know, they they can try newer things, right? And with TikTok came from China, right? And a lot of live streaming business models, right? All those technologies, um, you know, Billy Billy has those like comments that kind of float on the screen, right? And the, the, that's all, you know, figured it out first, right? I think it's Billy Billy first, or, or I think it's a J- Japan company, Nico Nico or something like. That. Anyway, like, like it came from from the east, right? Uh, but it's not like strictly, you know, it's not a monopoly. You know, nobody has a monopoly on good ideas, right? Um, you know, for, I, I, and I think a really good point is like, you know, Clubhouse did not come from China, right? <laughs> Who figured out that live audio chat, an edited live video audio chat is going to blow up out of nowhere, you know, in the past month, you know, and then it's going to like everybody wants a piece of it. Everybody's doing Clubhouse rooms, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and you are, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Where is is that something that exists in China? I don't know. Maybe there is a version of it that I don't know. Maybe it's already came and gone. Right? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> man, it's hot in Indonesia. You know, people are like really into this. You know, and like they came from America and they also came out of nowhere, right? Because podcasting already existed, live streaming already existed, right? Who knew people just want to chat on the phone? Right. <laughs> yes. so, you know, but that's what people really want right now. So like the, the other one is a, I, I find fascinating is community in, in the U S where you, it's a texting kind of mm-hmm. platform. Yeah. So like yeah. you, you text your, 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 your creator or your superstar and then they send you a text, your bag, limited content, whatever, you know, and I haven't really seen it work in Southeast Asia, but again, it's a fascinating, like how did that, blow up right because it seems so throwback right to text you know um and then you know but it works right maybe people want that you know maybe it's nostalgia you know i love it yeah i think it's awesome yeah like it is fascinating right and then and and you're right like southeast asia when you just said before like it's mobile first right like it's mobile (laughs) everywhere and to think that that hasn't community and text hasn't quite no no and everyone is well yeah Yeah. i mean i think like uh people there's too much spam in texting in Southeast Asia. So people don't really check it for unless it's like the, you know, uh two FA kind of code coming through. Uh, but people has it, it's the spam's kinda rendered it like useless as convention, but people WhatsApp all the time, right? So so now we have like WhatsApp bots and things like that, right? You can shop on WhatsApp, you know, which is kinda like I haven't tried even tried it yet. I, I don't I don't know if I want to get into it, but yeah. but that's like the innovation that they they're doing kind of like building on top of you know the ecosystem there so yeah i don't i don't yeah again like not not uniquely to just the east you know but in the past couple of years i think that there has been a lot of trends that came from china right but i can also see it kind of like you know uh you know u.s swinging back actually and just kind of like oh yeah we got we got clubhouse we got the community you know so it's like you know, and, and I think it, it, it's, it's good that we have this because it's like it's a back and forth, right, it, of, of like innovation. You know, and that's what people need, which is what we all need, right? Because somebody needs to keep on developing new things. Mm. Hey, you mentioned just before that, you know, um, strangely enough, sporting wasn't as, as big an area in, in the region. But what about the people who watch esports in terms of that? How, how big is that and the growing trend around that? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very big, right? Um, again, it's... Um, it's very big. It's grown. I think it kind of started popping out in 2017, and Mobile Legends was the game that really took it. I guess it hit a critical point, um, and, and now it's mainstream, right? Uh, but 
in the true in the name is like it's 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 mobile gaming, right? Mm-hmm. So it's mobile esports, you know. So this is another thing where I try to explain it to Europeans and Americans, you know, like two years ago, people just don't get it. Like, what do you mean mobile esports? Like, how do you control the characters? Like, you don't even get like the sensitivity with the mouse, you know, <laughs> um, with shooters, you know, and like a lot of people get confused, right? It's like, is it like you know, Clash of Clans, something or like Angry Birds, you know, but. You know, you can play like actual esports on mobiles too. Uh, it's just very, very different. Obviously, like not quite compatible. Like the players has a difficulty jumping from PC to mobile, right? Uh, but uh, that is the um, th- that is the mass esports now, right? So there's a lot of participation from again from governments, from brands. And there used to be a lot of events, you know. Of course, not now at the moment. Everything's gone virtual. Uh, I'm sure they'll come back. Um, and initially it was all games from China. So mobile legends, uh, PUBG via Tencent, right? PUBG is like a, a, a Korean game that they license to Tencent to make, you know, to, to take global, uh, even like, uh, Call of Duty mobile and Garena's free fire is like the original, you know, like Southeast Asian, you know, Singapore, like shooter, right. It is very, very popular. Um, but I can see that uh, once that you know the, the the bigger gaming companies, the bigger publishers, you know, they have the IP, like the worldwide IP, right? And and they've seen like, oh, you can actually make serious money on mobile gaming, you know, not just in South Asia, but in Latin America too, right? And in India and in like you know Middle East, you know, basically everywhere around the world, eventually is gonna catch up to that because of course it's easier to just hold a phone rather than just like sitting down right like it's it's truly you can go anywhere so i i think uh a lot of the titles with the worldwide ip are now just getting ready or if not they're getting they, they already made and just like figuring out the marketing to launch into mobile titles right so we have like diablo for example which is like you know obviously like mobile diablo right uh but you know, we already have FIFA, right, on mobile. What about, you know, what if, what if they decided to take StarCraft or World of Warcraft, right? It's like these are titles that have been around for a couple of decades. Still very relevant, right? If they just figure out the mobile aspect, it, it's going to live on, right? It's a multi-generational title, you know, that is a lot of the games that are popular right now are based on these titles, right? You know, so... Wouldn't people just want to play the real thing if they just get the porting right, you know, on mobile? So I think uh, it, it's very exciting. Of course, mo- mobile gaming and gaming in general blew up last year. You know, it's truly like the golden age of gaming, right? In all formats and all platforms. Um, you know, um, I, I, I'm not sure if there's going to be a drop. You know, um, I, I think a casual gaming is blown up, uh, but you know, it's it, it's really opening up. You know, and uh, if all the gaming companies, you know, uh, just making bank now, right? <laughs> if you're not making money now as a gaming company, you're probably never going to make it. <laughs> so you should just like go for it right now. Uh, so it, you know, it's a very exciting space, but yeah, it has to be mobile. And, and you know, some people see it as oh, maybe that's the gateway, right? To more hardcore gaming, to PCs, to consoles, right? Uh, but um, you know, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm a gamer, so like I, I'm, I'm big on like, yeah, this, this is good you know, for everybody. As far as I'm concerned, good for me. You know, so it's, it's, there's a lot more. You know, there's always been a lot of investment, right? But you know, the whole industry is bigger than you know sports and movies put together, 
you know, so, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, in, in Asia, like it, it is, it is going to be the dominant entertainment format, you know, like it's going to be around, right. For, for a very long time, you know, so. What about like the creators who aren't uh, like, ga- you know, esports gamers, uh, mm. but like they're creating content around games. Like, is that, yes. is that a, yeah, is a, that a rise associated with that? Or is it just the bigger creators are getting bigger or is there a like groundswell of new yeah, so, creators? So you can, so there's like the, well, say the competitive gamers, right? So if you look at like the, the competitive, sorry, the competitive games, right? So games that are esports, right? So you have the actual esports players themselves, like pros, right? And then you have, the funny guys who play the same game, but people really just listen for their commentary because they're really funny, right? And then there's the variety gamer, right? There's like the Steam gamers. They just try different games all the time, right? So this is the equivalent of the variety show as opposed to like SportsCenter, variety show, you know, this is like, <laughs> this is the equivalent. But then there's also like the non-gamers, but they embed gaming elements in their videos, right? Because a lot of games are now, I mean, it's always been there, but like, you know, like uh, Animal Crossing type thing, you know, Among Us, these are games that are very, very accessible. You don't need to like invest. It is a very uh, low uh, learning curve, right? So you can learn it in a day, you get into it, right? Um, And these games tend to change quite fast, I think. They, They don't, maybe they don't have as much staying power. But it, it's a much wider audience. So I think non-gamers get into it, right? And, you know, we, we have, like, musicians, you know, traditional celebrities, right? Um, they all like gaming, right? Because, you know, I think we all know musicians and, you know, actors, like, most of the time they're just sitting around waiting for the cue to get on stage, right? <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I know this for a fact. So it's a manager. So like, they're just waiting to get on a plane, waiting to get on stage, Waiting to get, waiting for the transfer. So it's like they all play games. I know this, right? So you know, and now it's is is easier to get into games, right? Um, you know, I, I remember as a manager, I used to have like a one of my bands. We used to have like a uh, a console, a Nintendo sixty four in the writer for the green room, right? You know, because like you know you can't carry it around, right? Because it's too much, you know, it's too much gear, you know. But now everyone's just on the phone, right? So it's 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 so much easier. So it kind of fills that gap where you have too much of social media, right? It is like not necessarily good for your mental health, right? But gaming is escapism. You kind of disappear into a different world. And it kind of like, to me, it kind of clears the mind, right? It, it lets me focus on something else, you know? So, uh, and I think a lot of people are seeing it that way too. So, uh, and yeah, for, for content creation, it's, it's really bloomed. Uh, in a really good way. That's fa- I mean, that is really fascinating because we do hear a lot of um, people talking about a sort of gaming in that region and how big it's becoming, especially around esports and how popular it is. I mean, we I mean, we see that, but we just sometimes you just see those numbers and you just can't fathom how how big and popular it it, it is. So, I mean, what is what the, in the, the next step? Obviously, is you know, mm. creators want to monetize their content creation. They want to monetize their you know careers that way. How how does that? How would a you know, a gaming creator or any creator for that matter, monetize their audience that might be, you know, a little bit different to other regions? A lot of it is very similar, right? Like, um, you know, most people still make money from the programmatic advertising, mm. right? Um, or streaming royalties, right? For, in the case of musicians, right? From like Spotify. 
um, the subscriptions and memberships that exist in different platforms, you know, um, like Patreon types or even like within YouTube and Facebook, um, it is increasing, um, but not quite there yet. Um, I, I feel like I would struggle to think like, okay, who is the biggest subscribed as in paid subscription, you know, creator, right? In Asia, or in Southeast Asia, you know? Um, I think uh, a lot of creators haven't put a focus on it yet. Uh, I mean, we do know people want, you know, people are willing to pay, right, for content. But at what price point, you know, I think maybe the preset of the the, the different platforms set, you know, for the type that you can donate or subscribe to, maybe it's a bit too high, right, for a lot of the kids uh, who wants to support these guys in um, all the platforms, not, not, not any particular ones, you know. Um, I think uh, online merchandise sales is underdeveloped here and has a long way to go, but it people do want to pay, right? Uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of the examples we see from the US, you know, or even Australia, it's like very well developed. You know, you got your Teespring, you know, like logistics figured out, you know, a lot. And then as I mentioned, like logistics is pretty difficult in this region, right? The e-commerce companies, like, you know, they don't find it easy either. Like they, they're doing it, but like it's not nowhere near as easy as, as like US or Europe, right? Or Australia even, um, you know, live stream sales, things like that, hasn't really quite taken off as the way it has in China, you know, where, um, you know, you, you have dedicated, you know, buildings of people doing live stream sales, like with like 50 phones in front of them and they sell like everything from like makeup to like cars and apartments, right? I haven't really seen that happen in Southeast Asia um, or India even. Uh, and um, I'm not sure why, to be honest. Um, everyone thought like this is going to be an like, easy home run, you know. Um, but the behavior, the most success I've seen it is on the e-commerce platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps there is a difficulty in like uh, being an Android region. All payments, if they have to go through the mall, to Google Play Store, then you know, they have, you have to pay them a cut, right? And then the, the economics no longer work, right? The unit economics, right? You know, whereas in China it might be different, right? Um, of course, like also payment systems are really, it's getting there, you know, uh, but but still not quite, you know, very few, uh, you know, credit cards, right? So it has to be like all these new fintech solutions, right? A lot of people shop online and then they, they would, press purchase, and then they would have to walk to the local convenience store to actually pay the cash, right, to actually release. So, you know, obviously not ideal. <laughs> so, and uh, the frictionless shopping, you know, not quite there yet, but I'm sure it'll be solved like in the next 12 months, you know. Um, so, and uh, it used to that a lot of people, a lot of creators make a lot of money from appearances, you know, and weddings. Weddings are a big thing. So not just musicians, people like, you know, I guess you turn up and do a show. Um, Creators turn up at weddings to do, so creators will turn up at weddings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Getting to that. Yeah. You know, so, but obviously now, like this, this past year, like, you know, weddings, you got to like cut it down to numbers, right? It's no longer like the thousand person weddings. You you just can't do that anymore because of COVID, right? I'm sure it'll come back, you know, but you know, it's not quite the same. Uh, so, yeah, um, I was like, if you asked me last year, 
this time last year, I'd be like, you know what? Live events is actually a real uh, looking very, very promising for creators in Southeast Asia, like much more than, you know, I would say in the West, right? Uh, maybe in the form of doing a tour and people buying tickets, but also like corporate and uh, wedding functions, right? You know, it's like, I think that's a big, very big potential, just not while we're in the COVID situation, mm-hmm. but eventually we'll come back, you know, and in, in I think not just I was Asia, India, China, you know, a, a lot of this. So um, it's, I would say, in some in some ways, it's 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 behind uh, the U.S. You know, because the logistics and payments is is difficult to figure out. People are still building that, you know, and it's hard to build a business on top when you know the roads and pipes are still being laid out, right? Like it's mm. you know like you need people, traffic to be able to flow. So, um, and you know, um, I hope uh, the investments in those those areas are increased, but like I actually don't know if it's been cut back. Because of COVID, like, I don't really have the numbers for that yet. Super. I love that sort of crystal ball gazing. But also, if anyone wants us to come hang out at their weddings in Australia while weddings are happening, like, <laughs> happy, happy to sell sell my uh, horrible MC services. Um, <laughs> shocking dancing guaranteed. Um, I, I'll, I'll bring my own version of Daryl Braithwaite horses with me, you know, like oh, we can dance. That can be our thing. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Fred will play something from like the travel or hillbilly hillbillies or something that will make everyone <laughs> sad and depressed but hey look i'll just start out there you know like any any opportunity we're in we're down <laughs> right jerry you know we, maybe you can come and do two weeks quarantine and come hang sure, with yeah, us okay, too. Yeah, you, yeah. Can come, you come come for our first wedding gig <laughs> <laughs> um hey we kind of like we're, we're running low on time but there's a very important area that i, I, I want to discuss with you and and that's um a segment I like, we like to call like going down going down the rabbit hole and it's i just want to know where on the internet you've been led down the rabbit hole lately Lately. where has this internet place sucked you in to an unexpected place what content has drawn you in Mm, just one where it's a piece of that because i like jump around all over the place (laughs) um i mean like i've been reading a lot of crypto again right because they're kind of like hot a few years ago went away and all of a sudden everyone's talking about like non-fungible tokens and I'm like uh, is it for real this time and I know a lot of money being thrown around on you know all these uh, art and sports clips right um, and Logan Paul and blah releasing you know albums you know I had Kings of Leon just release a NFT album as well and uh, you know and you know, we, we heard this with Crypto Kitties two years ago, right? And it's like, well, what what's what is different that is going to stay this time? You know, um, I don't I haven't seen anything that was going to like it's different this time. <laughs> you know, is this like another? I, I feel like so far is it's another phase. You know, um, it's not somewhat. It's not very scalable or accessible for most artists and creators right you get like the very top end who knows how to do it and get the expertise right uh, but you know selling art and selling digital art you know is as difficult as it is you can move the, remove the word digital you know and selling art is always going to be difficult right <laughs> so you always need a patron you always need like traffic you always need profile you know and i don't think 
that makes it any easier just because the form and the payment is different, you know, like at the end of the day, artists will struggle, you know, just the same. Right. Uh, and and you have to, it's all about building an audience and, you know, like uh, creating loyalty and all that, you know, but I don't, I don't see the NFT thing like affecting like the, the fundamental of that. Mm. Right. It's not like when you have, uh, internet or like recording technology got cheaper, all of a sudden more people can create, right? I mean, that was like a massive impact, right? Like, of course, you get more artists, more creators, right? More videos, you know? But I feel like NFTs, if anything, kind of is, is a very narrow funnel that only a few, very few creators can go through. So, I don't know, I could be completely wrong here. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, I, ask me I've, months I've, got a, <laughs> so, I've got a silly big grin on my face, Jerry, because it, it was on my list of this is the thing that I've been going down the rabbit hole lately. Um, okay. We're, we're actively looking at it. In, in, but um, I totally agree with your sentiments, but because it, it isn't a silver bullet where if you don't have an audience or influence or a really great piece of content that you can create, whether that's an art or something else to leverage, People aren't going to want to buy your stuff just magically. Um, yeah. But I, I still think it's incredibly interesting. I've been interested for a number of years, but always been like it's too foreign and too hard to mm. get access to for average Joes uh-huh. who are not technically savvy like myself. Um, yeah. But it's, I think it's getting close and, the, and this sort of push and this sort of vi- yeah. virtual world we've all been living the last 12, 18 months um, yes, is sort yes. of helping people understand that because get your head around the virtual world. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's super interesting. Yeah. I reckon you know we need to have a whole episode dedicated to. This yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm like <laughs> I'm just fascinated and learning and 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 you know I'm I'm smiling at how much attention it's getting and it's good at people talking about it. But you made a good point. I'm like you know the whole metaverse conversations kind of like goes into that. Like if people are spending more time in virtual spaces, you know maybe there's that is the point of difference now because that wasn't the case three years ago, right? Uh, in the previous crypto boom, like you know Fortnite wasn't like the you know I mean it was very popular, but not obviously nowhere near as big as it is now into creating groundbreaking cultural moments, right? Uh, with the, the different concepts that they have, you know? Uh, so yeah. maybe that is different, you know, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm very keen to learn more. I'd love to hear that episode when you guys do. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. So do I, I can't <laughs> wait for it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's super interesting. Like I ended up, the rabbit hole actually took me to Decentraland, which is one of those virtual worlds where it's owned and created by this, the community, Decentraland. So it's a decentralized virtual okay. world and you can buy like, you can buy parcels of land and develop them and share them. And it, it's like a, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Like that's where that, it, I, I got sucked into the rabbit hole a little bit on that. I'm not buying Decentraland land yet or anything like that because I don't understand <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> mind blown. Yeah. Um, Frederico, did you... Well, nothing is involved in that. I mean, watching... Um, went somewhere else. Yeah, well, uh, these day-to-life videos of, like, famous people, CEOs and stuff, like, uh, you know, um, head of Apple, Elon Musk, you know, just Tim, you know, different people, Tim Cook, what he does, and, like, they're... It's just fascinating just watching how they structure their days, and I'm like, this is really super 
Interesting. Yeah, and has been watching. Is that, a legit, is that a legit day in the life of, well, yeah. of Elon Musk? Because I reckon it would be batshit crazy. Would well, be a day in the life of Elon Musk, where I just like <laughs> smoke a joint over here, tweet something weird over there. They yeah, don't go into that specific detail, going. but yeah, it's it's more about their, stru- their structures, <laughs> how they manage meetings, and you know they manage their day and time management, that kind of thing. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. Like they do work, tend to work extremely long, extremely focused. I days. bet. Yeah, you have yeah. to. Where, where do you watch these? Like, is it on YouTube? Yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, there's uh, different people do them, um, but yeah, there's a bunch of different ones around. But I, th- I find the Elon Musk and Tim Cook ones to be the uh, most interesting. Well, I want to check that out. That sounds yeah, they they are really good. Yeah, check definitely check it out. Okay. Yeah. Hey Jerry, that's um, I'm going to jump on Fred's thing. Unfortunately, that's all time we have for. But thanks so much for hanging out with us. It's been super Thank interesting, sort of like getting a really good picture of what's happening in Southeast yeah. Asia and, and the um, bit of crystal ball gazing as well. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, anytime, anytime. Yeah, I would love to uh, hear more about you guys and that. Yeah, yeah, good to be here, and let's definitely keep in touch. Generation, look on the mic.